Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. The Green Bay Packers have moved into the top seed in the NFC playoffs. Now the question is, with three games remaining, can they hold on to the number one seed? Welcome, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Rob Reichel and I for another scintillating Packers podcast. Rob, how are you doing? They're all pretty scintillating, aren't they, Gary? In our own minds. Yeah, in our own minds. Exactly, yeah. right. Yeah, so, hey, we uh, got a lot of t- territory to uh, cover today, so let's get started by talking about the playoffs and uh, the Packers' uh current position, which is the number one seed in the NFC. Rob, uh, how important is it in your humble estimation that the Packers retain this uh, top seed? I think it's imperative, Gary. I, I really do. I think it's critical. As we've talked about before on this podcast, it's a unique year. It's the first year they've gone to seven playoff teams in each conference, which means only one team, the number one seed, We'll have a bye. Two through seven, we'll all have to beat each other around in that opening playoff, um, opening weekend of, of the playoffs. And then the number one seed will get, get to rest. Obviously, Gary, in past seasons, it's been six teams in each conference, so the one and the two both get byes. Rogers talked about this a lot the other night. Lafleur talked about it a lot yesterday, uh, being, yesterday being Monday, just how important it is and how critical uh, it is for them coming down the home stretch to keep that. You know, the Saints are two, the Rams are three. Those are those are uh, really tough tests, Gary. When when they would possibly come about, and um, you know, Tampa's in that mix, obviously Seattle. And, and Gary, somebody in that group's going to go out on that first weekend, right? I mean, if the yeah, Vikings, exactly. begin, I think the Vikings are a dangerous team to the Packers. They have a chance to go out that first weekend. Arizona's a dangerous team. They could go out. Washington has a defensive front four that I think scares the heck out of anybody. Uh, they could go out that first weekend. So, uh, Gary, the Packers will sit home. The NFC will go from seven teams to four. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just – it's it's amazing um, the level of quality teams that are going to get bumped in that first weekend. I, I think the best team by far in the in the league is the Chiefs. But, but I think the NFC is a much deeper conference and probably a little bit better conference, Gary – and so some of these teams that I think could could pose potential nightmare problems in terms of matchups for the Packers are going to get bumped there that first weekend. So, no, I, I, I think it's huge, and it, and it sets up okay for them, Gary. Uh, two home games and a road game against the Bears, and the Bears might not have anything to play for. And Carolina's one of the home games, obviously, coming Saturday night, and, and, the, and they're kind of a dog at four and nine. Far and away, the toughest test is is Derrick Henry in Tennessee on, on the 27th, and if the Packers can take care of business in that one, Gary, I think their chances of, of being the number one seed are, are really, really high. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. You know, the Packers, as you mentioned, play Carolina this week, four and nine. Then they got go to, uh, they have Tennessee, which is nine and four, and then they finish with the Bears. Now, conversely, the Saints' final three games are against Kansas City, which is 12 and one, Minnesota, which is six and seven. And uh, could easily probably be like eight and five. Uh, Carolina is, is four and nine. So, at, at least on the surface, 
the the schedule in my mind at least uh, favors the Packers. I think so too, Gary. You know, don't totally overlook the Rams, who have two home games themselves. The Jets, who are winless. Arizona, which is holding on right now to that seventh spot uh, among the playoff contenders, and then the Rams also go to Seattle. I'd have to break it down, and and a lot would uh, depend on who beats who in terms of some of these tiebreakers. If it's a conference loss, if it's a out of conference loss if it's a division loss but let's say the rams get to 12 and 4 the saints are 12 and 4 and the packers are 12 and 4 there's certainly a chance too that the rams i think could sneak in there gary and Mm -hmm. and get that number one seed so they're 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 probably the third team in there with a with a really good chance and and seattle only has four losses too their schedule uh is is a little bit harder with two road games left including one at washington but seattle and the rams gary one of those two teams is probably going to work their way to 12 and 4 each of their toughest games remaining are, are against the other team. Um, I don't see New Orleans with Taysom Hill beating Kansas City on Sunday. That's going to probably be their fourth loss, and it certainly sounds like Drew Brees is going to sit that one out too. They're going to try to continue to to rest him. And, and I mean, broken ribs are are broken ribs. You don't rush back from that yeah. and a punctured lung and things like that. So I, I think Brees, Gary, is looking at another week or two be in the, and they'll try to obviously have him 100% or as close as possible to 100% for the playoffs. So, uh, but but again, the ball's in Green Bay's court. Go three and all, get yourself to 13 and three, and we're not having any of these discussions about tiebreakers and and um, you know who lost out of conference and who lost in in conference and all that kind of stuff. It it just comes down to the Packers taking care of business. And like I said, Gary, it uh, you know I know in this league anybody can sting anybody at any point in time. But really, if, if Green Bay can take care of that Tennessee game, they're going to be in great shape. How about those Eagles? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of stinging somebody, did anybody see that coming? I mean, that that was like out of left field. And, and uh, if I'm Carson Wentz, uh, I think I'm going to sit back and uh, observe for the next year or years to come. <laughs> yeah, I think Carson might be in a different jersey next year, even though I know that's going to absolutely you know destroy their salary cap they might have to find a way to get something done and get him to whatever san francisco or um you know another contending team that might want to move on from from their particular quarterback it uh well maybe the bears might want to try uh, maybe your bears there you go gary (laughs) that's right or my lions right you know keep trying you know something might happen (laughs) So uh, is there one team out there, I, I know for me, it would be New Orleans, that you would hate to face if you're the Packers. I mean, obviously, uh, you have seven teams or six other teams out there in the playoffs. But the one team, I, I've said this from day one, that if I was uh, Matt LaFleur, I would not want to play the Saints. Uh, Breeze should be back by then. It seems like their offense is clicking no matter who's at, at the helm. I think they're just going to be a handful for whoever, you know, they face. I think they would, Gary. They obviously play high-level defense most weeks, and I, I know it, it took them a while last week against the Eagles to get that cranked up, but they played a really good defensive second half. But, uh, but their defense is certainly a top five to ten in the league. Gary, the team, if I'm Green Bay, that I don't want to see without question are the Rams. Yeah, you've been on the uh, Rams bandwagon, haven't you? I am. I, I, I think, I think they're the second most formidable team in the conference and, and they match up pretty well against green Bay from a few perspectives, Gary, 
number one, Jalen Ramsey's probably as good as any corner in the league outside of maybe, you know, the kid in Miami Howard, who's got nine or 10 interceptions and, and seems to have hands like Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ra- Ramsey could go take Adams the entire game, Gary. And I'm not saying he's going to shut him out. He's, I'm, uh, he won't take him away, but that might be a night where Adams is four for 50, right? Or five for 60 or something like that. He's not going to have nine for a buck 30 and two touchdowns. I mean, Ramsey's that good. Adams is that good too, Gary. He's going to get a handful of catches, but he's not going to go bongos. So now if you're Aaron Rodgers, you've got to go to MVS, right? You've got to go to Lazard. You've got to go to Tunyon. You've got to go to Aaron Jones, which, I mean, these guys have been productive at all at times through the year, Gary. But, I mean, with the game on the line, you might not be able to go back to Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. Number two, the road ge- uh, the, the run defense at the Rams play, starting with Aaron Donald, and he's got plenty of help up front. He's got, he's got some big bodies around him. But Aaron Donald can absolutely destroy not, not, only, you know, not only the run game, Gary, but he can get in Rodgers' grill mm-hmm. eight, ten times a game. You're talking about two probably of the best five defensive football players in the league on that team. You know, and, and, and now Green Bay, which is a top 10 rushing offense again, Gary, I'm not sure they'll be able to get it going against Donald and that crew. And if Ramsey on the, on the outside is taking away Adams, um, I'm not exactly sure where Green Bay goes to get its points. They'll get their points because LaFleur is smart and he'll scheme things open. But it's going to be a lot tougher uh, to go and get 31, which is what they're averaging, than it's been against most teams. And then third, obviously, is the fact you know, that Matt LaFleur worked for Sean McVay out there with the, with the Rams for a couple of years. I mean, nobody, nobody knows Matt LaFleur better than mm-hmm. Sean McVay. And I, I know on the flip side, you can say the same thing about LaFleur knowing McVay, but I'll tell you what, McVay has been to a Super Bowl. He's coached in more big games than, uh, than Matt LaFleur has. He probably has the edge there and experience. A lot of what LaFleur is running is, is McVay's stuff. So I, I give the Rams, I, I, you know me, Gary, I, I'm a big fan of LaFleur. I think he's done a terrific job here, but I give McVay a slight edge in that game and coaching matchups too. So I think, you know, if, if that's who Green Bay winds up seeing, that's a real nightmare advantage. The good thing for the Packers right now is the Rams, the way it sits, the Rams and Tampa Bay square off in, in week one of, of the playoffs. So, uh, you know, if, if, if those seeds would somehow hold Gary, one of the teams that I think it would give Green Bay a lot of problems is going to be gone that first week. Well, you uh, certainly made some uh, persuasive arguments there, and I, I might be leaning towards the Rams all of a sudden. <laughs> but Gary, yeah, I, you, Gary you, I wish I could make that uh, that level of persuasive arguments with my wife and in my home most days. Yeah, you and me. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, you know, you, you're talking about Ramsey, and you were absolutely correct in, in your assessment of Ramsey. I, I think Donald is just incredible. And I, I really believe if he continues to play like this for the next four or five years, he'll be in the conversation for one of the greatest defensive tackles ever. I mean, you know, that you're, you're talking about Ramsey, perhaps, you know, shutting down Adams. I mean, or I was going to say McDonald. Donald not only disrupts the pass, the run. I mean, and that's one of the Packers, you know, uh, main strengths, being able to run the ball with, uh, with Jones. All of a sudden you got Donald there, you know, clogging everything up in the middle. It, it, it could be very tough. Uh, one of the few defenses that uh, could possibly uh, shut down the Packers. I'd agree, Gary. I mean, Donald's an all-timer already. Um, you know, you, you always look, 
when, when you start talking hall of fame and you start talking all everything kind of teams, you look at what kind of difference maker uh, he was for a period of time. You know, what was a guy, the best player at his position uh, for an extended period of time, right. For, for mm-hmm. a four five, exactly. six, seven year window. I mean, Donald's already there, Gary. I mean, he's, he's probably already in the hall of fame. And like, and like, you I agree said, with that. I agree with yeah, that. I mean, he, he's right on the bubble now. He's probably going to play another year or two. Cause he's still, he hasn't been in the league all that long, but he's, he's probably right there now. I mean, he, again, longevity plays a, plays a role in it, right? Just ask Sterling oh. Sharp or Terrell Davis and, sure, and people sure. like that. You got to play more than seven years most of the time. But uh, I mean, Donald is uh, Donald. Donald is almost there already, and I'm with you, Gary. If, if he does this, let's say until 2024, 2025, we will easily be talking about him among the, you know, not just the greatest defensive tackles, but you know, you'll mention him with the Lawrence Taylors of the world, right? And, and yeah. just among the most disruptive defensive players we've ever seen. And uh, good luck to Corey Lindsley in that game, right? <laughs> good luck to Lucas Patrick. Good, yeah. Good luck yeah. to uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, Billy Turner, whoever whoever happens to be playing guard, Elton Jenkins, whoever it is up front for Green Bay, obviously Gary would have their hands full. And most importantly, good luck Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) (laughs) Say Rob, uh, let's segue from the, uh, the uh, playoff pitcher to the MVP race. And you and I touched upon this a little bit last week. And uh, I think we pretty much agreed. It's a, it's a two man, race right now between Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and I think this is going to be a wire finish I mean you look at their eye-popping stats and they're virtually identical I mean you take the touchdowns Rodgers has 39 Mahomes has 36 you take the interceptions Rodgers has thrown four Mahomes five two last week right Uh, you take the completion percentage Rod uh, Mahomes is 68.4 Rodgers is 69.6. You look at the passing yards. Mahomes has uh, 4,200. Rodgers is almost at 3,700. The passer rating, Rodgers 119. Mahomes 112. You know, Rob, unlike CNN, I'm not going to call this race prematurely. (laughs) I appreciate that, Gary. (laughs) I'll bet you did. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, your thoughts on that? Um, Not on CNN, but the uh, MVP race. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, no, like, like, like you said, it's 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 a lot closer than any of us envisioned. Maybe a month ago, when when Mahomes really seemed to be pulling away, Rogers has made up some ground. You know, I, I talked to a couple of gambling sites, their PR people, on Sunday night and then Monday, Gary, and I guess I hadn't realized talking, even, right. No, no negotiating or uh, anything like that. Well, I always like to do a little of that too, Gary. <laughs> get, get my few shekels down on somebody somewhere. Um, but no, I, I, it, it, it is, it is pretty crazy. Last week at this time, Mahomes was minus four hundred, which, you know, for for those that don't know gambling out there, means you have to put down four hundred bucks to make a hundred. That's down to two eighty six now, Gary's, which you know that that that's a that's a pretty steep drop. You, you know, you only have to put down two eighty six now to get a hundred back. On on the flip side. Rogers went from plus 600 Gary. It had you put down a hundred on Rogers a week ago, you'd get 600 back. Now he's plus 185. Um, so, wow. you know, if you put down a hundred, you only get 185 back. Yeah. So last week or two weeks ago was obviously the time to bet him. So what all those numbers really mean, Gary is Rogers is dramatically narrowed the gap here, not to a coin flip type of a, a, a deal, but 
maybe 70, 30, 75, 25 type of a deal. Um, I still think, again, Mahomes remains the favorite. And, and, and Gary, as, as, as I broke down the numbers Sunday night, it, I, you know, I am a little surprised that even Mahomes has, has that wide of a gap and a lead on Rodgers. I, I know yeah. he's on pace to, to, you know, to throw for almost 5,200 yards, you know, which I think is fourth or fifth on, in, in NFL history. Um, he leads the best. I'm making the case here for Mahomes, then I'll do it for Rodgers. You know, he, he, Mahomes leads the best team in football. They're 12 and one. Mm-hmm. Um, but now Gary, you know, on, on the flip side, Green Bay does lead the league in scoring. The Chiefs lead in mm-hmm. yards. Um, but then Rodgers has a slight edge also in, in both uh, passer rating and the QBR that kind of made up mm-hmm. ESPN stat that I'm not in love with by any means. But uh, ESPN loves to throw that out in front of you as much as possible, Gary. You know, right now, Rodgers, I, I would argue, Gary, he, he either matches or slightly edges Mahomes, you know, on, on the majority of these stats, certainly the touchdowns, you know, he's, he's got a get, he's got a little bit of a lead there. He's got the four picks. Like you said, Mahomes is up to five. Mahomes had three in that Dolphins game. Um, so I, I, Gary, I think really what it's going to come down to is team record, isn't it? Um, I think I Kansas City, most Absolutely. people view them as the best team in football. Mm-hmm. They're 12 and one, obviously a two game lead over Green Bay. They're going to be the number one seed. It looks like in the, in the AFC, the Packers at 10, 10 and three are probably going to be the number one seed in the NFC. There's 50 voters in the AP Gary who go and do this and nobody knows exactly how each guy sways. And um, I, I know Vegas will put out some numbers and say A, B, C, or D on, on some of these guys, but it still comes down to 50 individuals and, and what, you know, what they wind up thinking here when it's all said and done. And um, I just, I have a hunch it's going to be a little bit closer than, than even some of these Vegas stats show right now, Gary. Well, you know what? I, I, I again, concur with everything you said, Mahomes, Rogers, coin flip. Now, if there's a sleeper pick out there, I, I mean, there are still three weeks to go and, and a, lot, a lot of crazy things can happen. This has been a crazy year so. Why not? My sleeper pick remains Derrick Henry. And he's rushed for a league high 1,532 yards and 14 touchdowns. With three games left, Rob, he has a chance to crack that uh, you know prestigious 2,000-yard barrier. And uh, I broke it down this morning. He would have to average 156 yards which, which is very possible for this dude uh, in, in the remaining three games. And uh, we would be remiss not to point out that one of those games is against that vaunted run defense of the Green Bay Packers. What do you say is that, Gary, 15-32? Yes. Uh-huh. So that's 468 away. Yeah, he could get half of that in the, in the uh, <laughs> Sunday night game against Green Bay, Gary. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'll tell you what, let, let's say theoretically he has a monster game against the Packers. I, I think he's going to somehow sneak in the MVP conversation. You know, I, I would agree wholeheartedly. In one of the stories I wrote over the weekend, Gary, he wasn't in the top five. Three was Josh Allen at, at plus sixteen hundred. Four was Russell Wilson in Seattle, plus eighteen hundred, and then Big Ben at plus five thousand. Um, I would think Big Ben's fallen away with the Steelers losing two yes. in a row, and maybe Henry takes that spot as as the money changes a little bit here during the, the course of the week. Um, you know, Josh Allen's a little bit intriguing to me too, Gary, just from the fact you, you consider what Buffalo's been 
the last quarter century uh, since going to four straight Super Bowls. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's been a dumpster fire in, 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 with, with that football organization, and they, they haven't found consistent quarterback play. And, and now, Gary, I mean, they're not going to catch the Chiefs as the one, but they, they do have a chance to catch the, the pass the Steelers and maybe be the two seed after Pittsburgh's lost a couple in a row. I, I think Buffalo's 10-3 and three and certainly looking like one of the four or five best teams in football, and Allen's got to get a, a ton of credit for that. He, I think he kind of had his coming out party the other night in that Steeler game, and a lot of the world that hadn't watched him play all that closely – maybe took notice after, uh, you know, he, he was really pretty flawless after, you know, the first quarter or so of that Steelers game and, and led Buffalo there. I, I think he's got an outside chance, Gary. And, and again, Russell could get hot down the stretch, right. And, and, and maybe work his way into that conversation if they get to 12 and four. Um, I still think Gary, it's going to come down to how the teams do right. And as, as much as anything, not, not just the individual, let's say Seattle heats up here, gets to 12 and four, the Packers lose that Tennessee game and new Orleans loses to Kansas city. I think if that's a three-way tie, then a 12 and four, for example, Gary, I think Seattle does get the number one seed in that. And then maybe some of those votes that were going to Rogers or somebody else are going to, going to sway to Russell Wilson. If you say, well, he took that group without that really doesn't play much defense and took them to 12 and four in the number one seed in the NFC. So Gary, like you said, there's a lot of season left here. I mean, it doesn't look like it with only three games, but there's a lot to be determined in terms of, um, you know, where these teams wind up, um, who, who, who people are going to vote for based on how these statistics figure uh, kind of come to play in the, in the last three games. And um, I, I know it looks like a two horse race right now, but, but there are a couple of guys that, like you said, really could get back into the, in, into this deal, but uh, in all likelihood, it's going to come down to Rogers and Mahomes. You know, Rob, I kind of feel sorry for Russell Wilson because correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he's ever received an MVP vote, has he? No, that that that's a correct stat, Gary. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that to me is mind-boggling because you know, barring something unforeseen, Russell Wilson's going to the Hall of Fame. You know, and to think that he doesn't even have one vote, and it could happen again this year. I mean, theoretically, you know what I mean. I, I see your scenario, but if they don't do that, I, I'm looking at Mahomes, Rogers, Henry, Josh Allen, and whoever else you want to throw in there. But you know, that, at that point, Russell is like the fifth guy, maybe sixth. Absolutely, Gary. And if you're if you're five or six on lists, you know you're. Yeah. I think I could be wrong, Gary. I'd have to go back and look, but uh, with the NFL, I don't think you cast a ballot a ballot one, two, three, four, five like you do for some of these other sports leagues, you just say, this is my MVP. And then at the end of the day, you know, if I remember right, the one year where Brett Favre and Barry Sanders tied for it in 97, it was like 23, 23 to four. There were four random votes in there. You know, all you're doing Gary is casting a first place vote. So you, for example, would write down Josh Allen. I'd write down Mahomes. Somebody else would write down Rogers and, at the end of it, that's all you're doing. You're tallying the first place vote. So it's not a points deal when, it, when it's all said and done. And um, it, it wouldn't shock me at all, Gary, if, if it plays out that way again, where Russell gets snubbed. All righty. Uh, let's do our weekly uh, segment around the NFC North. I, I guess we got to start right off with the Vikings and the Bears, and, and they're going to have a titanic clash on Sunday. And I, I think it's safe to assume that the winner uh, 
keeps its playoffs hopes alive. The loser probably gets ready for Christmas. Minnesota is six and seven. Chicago is six and seven. Who do you like? Where is that game, Gary? Not that it matters that much these days. Uh, you know what? I'm pretty sure it's in Minnesota. If I'm not okay. Mistaken. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would still just trend toward Minnesota only because they've played much better football the last six or eight weeks uh, s- since, since that rough start, which had them, you know, pretty much dead and buried at the outset. And, and we talked on this podcast a lot, Gary, about um, all their young players kind of growing up, all those changes on defense eventually paying off. That, that Tampa, game would have, Tampa Bay game last week would have been far closer if, if Minnesota had a field goal kicker with any – level of reliability right yes and, indeed uh, you know i i do think minnesota is still a team trending upward i i think they're going to be a beast in the nfc north next year gary i i still think they've they're what a game back of arizona for that for that final spot Correct. there's a lot about that organization and team that i like i i think gary if they sneak in and they're that seven i i'm not sure i want to be the two and and have to play them the way those two receivers uh you know, work together and, and the way that the running back cook just continues to light people up. He went over a hundred yards against Tampa Bay, which is, which is no small task. I, I really like their wide receiving core. Minnesota's I'm speaking about, Oh, you know, good luck finding a better duo than that for the next three or four years, Gary. Yeah. And, and even their tight ends are, are, are more than solid. I mean, Smith, no doubt. Smith, no doubt. Rudolph and then you've got a top three and then you've got a top three running back in me, you know, one or two, probably, to running back in football. So um, all Cousins has to do is not mess it up. That defense is going to look like a Mike Zimmer defense should next year, Gary. I, I think Green Bay and Minnesota, I, I don't know if they flip spots next year because we've got to see how the offseason plays out. But I'll tell you this, Green Bay won't be uh, celebrating, at least I don't think, an NFC North title after 14 weeks. And, you know, with, with three weeks left in the regular season, a year from now, the Packers are going to take some hits this off season, Gary. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the Vikings are going to take nearly as many the, the Vikings are the team. I think that really worries you inside the division over the, over the next couple of years, you know, but, but just back to that game specifically, Trubisky was much better, obviously in the win last week over Houston, Gary, I think you'd throw for maybe three touchdowns uh, <laughs> against Houston at, at, at this point, the way that organization is, is trending. And, and so, so you must've looked at, you must've looked at film from my high school days, huh? <laughs> it was impressive film Gary I I broke out you know what what are those those old uh things those those projectors you find at the library right those yeah you, you, you know Rob I played in the Packerland conference against such ballyhooed schools as Keel New Holstein Kiwani <laughs> it, it, it was a brutal conference that's a laundry list of who's who in the in the state Gary for football talent though so yeah um, absolutely no, that, 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 that's a good group, but no, you know, all, all kidding aside, uh, you know, the bears looked really good last week, but a lot of people do against the Texans and, you know, Deshaun Watson there in Houston is to, you know, saying how many, you know, the changes they need to be making now this, this off season and, and things like that. So, I mean, the, the, the bears certainly caught one of the worst six or eight teams in the league last week, did what they needed to do to stay in the race. But, uh, uh, you know, like, like most games between those two teams, Gary, it's probably going to be a, you know, it's probably going to be a late score that decides it. I just, I just like the way Minnesota is headed still. And, and I think Minnesota's got an outside chance to get to nine and seven and knock off the Cardinals. You know, uh, a couple of things. One, one on the bears, uh, they, you know, they moved Patterson into the backfield and yeah. I, I thought that was actually a genius move. That, that guy is just an exceptional athlete. 
and he's kind of given them a spark. Montgomery has picked it up. I mean, he is, I, I don't know what, but he's turned out to be probably one of the top six or eight running backs in the league at this particular point. Again, I don't know what happened, but he's become pretty good. And then with the Vikings, you know, everybody talks about their offense and, and so forth. But those young DBs that they drafted uh, are starting to emerge. I mean, you can see they're getting more comfortable back there, uh, more confident. And um, it should be a heck of a game Sunday between those two teams, especially knowing what's on the line. Gary, did you see in that game last week, Montgomery goes for 80 yards on his first carry? Yeah. For the Bears. And then he touches the ball 11 times the rest of the day. <laughs> don't, you, don't, get, don't get me started, Rob. I, I keep thinking of Packers Sunday game in which Aaron Jones carried the ball four times in the first half. And right. no, I, I, I'm just like, okay, am I missing something here? I, I know Detroit's secondary was beat up, but this is a guy that ran for 168 yards in, in week two and he gets four touches. I mean, it didn't make any sense. So. No, it, it, it didn't. You know, he wound up playing about 50 snaps, Gary. And so, you know, his workload was was still, you know, somewhat substantial. Yeah. Um, he's going to be the guy they lean on now down down the stretch. But, no, I, I, I'm with you. He, 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 had the, he had a career game against Detroit back in week two. You know, the, the best game of his life. And um, you, you think you would have went back to that a little bit more on Sunday, but, but I think you hit the key point there, just going to the Packers lions for a second, Gary is, you know, they were down their top two and three corners really for the, for the most part, mm -hmm. uh, had another guy get dinged during the game. Boy, the Packers have caught some breaks with that this season, <laughs> seeing, see, seeing teams that are just, um, just absolutely decimated by injury at corner. And, and now that, that was another situation of that uh, the other night. Uh, in, in, in that Lions game. So I, I, I'm sure that's where the thinking was on the offensive side of it, Gary, um, is that they loved some of those mismatches. Um, you know, it, it worked out, I guess, for the most part. MVS had a, had a pretty big game. Tunyon was solid again. Um, they tried to take Adams away. Detroit did as much as possible. And, you know, with, with, with double team help and things like that. But Adams still hurt them. The end of the day, they scored 31, Gary, and that should win enough games. But I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. That felt like a game Green Bay should have gotten into the 40s uh, or something no, like no that. Question. With as beat no up question. as Detroit was and um, with as good as Aaron Jones was the first time they saw that team. Yeah, yeah. Just one final thing on the uh, Bears here. Uh, besides playing, you know, the uh, Vikings this weekend, uh, the Vikings will then have New Orleans, okay, and Detroit. The Bears will play Jacksonville and Green Bay. And I would safely say that the Vikings are going to lose to New Orleans. The Bears are going to lose to the Packers. And uh, they'll be home for Christmas. Yeah, you also would have said the Eagles were going to lose to New Orleans. I'm, 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 I'm just <laughs> yes, telling you, the Greek isn't back. I mean, there's a month of film now on Taysom Hill. It's not like week one uh, where, where he was a total surprise and an enigma to everybody around the league. I, I'm telling you, Gary, if, if the Vikings can beat the Bears, and, and who'd you say the last game was against? Bears have Green Bay in the final. Oh, who's Minnesota's final game against? Uh, Detroit. Okay, so they should they should win that. Yeah, uh, Gary, I, I, I'm telling you, the Vi the Vikings aren't dead yet. They're 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 pretty close to life support. I don't know exactly what the Cardinals have down the stretch either, but 
But again, what would that be a remarkable story or what? I, I know no one in Wisconsin wants to see it, but if the Vikings find a way to get to nine and seven after what were they? Oh, and four, one and five, something like that to, to start the season, they kind of saved their season when they came to Lambeau on, on November one and up, upset the Packers that day, 28, 22. I'm telling you, Gary, if, if, if they find a way in there, they're kind of a, they're, they're kind of a scary bunch, but, but in theory right now, it certainly looks like three from the NFC West, right? The Rams, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, two from the South with new Orleans and Tampa, and then one each from the North and the East, probably the Packers and Redskins, the way it looks right now, although the giants are, are still hanging around in that race too. But um, I'm telling you, Gary, I'm, I I've got a sneaky feeling about the Vikings. I, I still have a hunch. They're going to find a way in. Yeah. Did you uh, by any chance get to know Daryl Bevel while he was in Madison? In Madison and in green Bay, Gary. Yep. Okay. You know, he seems like a really good guy. I, I've never met him, but he seems like a, a very nice guy and it seems like he's got a lot of respect from a lot of people, but so, so, you know, having said that, I, I felt sorry that the guy for the guy that they couldn't upset the Packers because if he's going to stay on, they had to beat Green Bay, you know, and I, I just don't see that happening anymore. You know, you're probably right uh, on that, Gary, but again, let's just say they catch lightning in a bottle and win their final three. And, and I, I don't know what the schedule lines up like for Detroit. I think they're five and eight now after that loss. They're, they're not going to make the playoffs with eight losses. But if he found a way to win out, Gary, and, and go four and one down the stretch, you never know. Now, a lot of times management and an organization just likes to start from scratch and tear it up, and the Lions are certainly uh, the blueprint for, for doing that. They're, they're changing coaches every three or four years in GMs, it seems like, which is, which is probably why they're you know, last in the division every single year. Uh, at, at least it feels like, but you know, he, he would bring a level of continuity certainly to that offense that that offense isn't the problem. That offense has done some pretty decent things this year, even, even without the number one wide receiver and, and then swift, the running back has been beat up and he, mm-hmm. you know, he could be a future thousand yard guy, but, uh, but he's been beat up and they couldn't get a se- full season out of him. So they had to rely so much on Adrian Peterson in the, in the ground game. Who's, who's almost as old as you and I, Gary, but I'll tell you, it, it would be a pretty interesting hire. And I, and I think, you know, to, to offer up that branch of, you know, stability and continuity there would, would be a pretty good move for, for the Lions. And then you fix the defensive side of the ball. They all, they all thought Patricia was going to fix things on defense. Yeah. That never worked itself out. Yeah, exactly. I think they've got things semi-figured out on offense. Now Bevel would just have to go find the right defensive coordinator and move on. You know, Gary, if they go two and three in his five games or something like that, he's probably not going to keep the job in, in, in all likelihood. And they'll, they'll start from scratch again. And, and my guess is in 2023, we'll be talking about, uh, you know, who the next group of people is to come in and, and try to fix the Lions because this group that they're going to hire now is, is not probably not going to be any more successful than the, than the last five or ten groups have been. Yeah, probably not. Well, Rob, uh, this is your favorite uh, segment of the show where our listeners get to ask us a question. We got a couple this week, but we're uh, gonna take one because we're uh, on a time constraint here. But uh, this comes from Dave McGregor of Milwaukee. And I, and I chose this one because I thought it was just kind of funny <laughs> and, and, and timely too. And his question was, why doesn't Mason Crosby, the kicker, teach the punter, JK Scott, how to tackle and then they can both teach the rest of the team, right? 
Sounds year. like we need to get the scanner show. <laughs> I, I think that is the question of the year, Gary. Great question. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I addressed this this last week uh, on the show. I'll be honest, Gary, if that was my football team, if I was the GM, or even if I was the head coach, I would have gone to the GM and I would have said, find me a different punter. I would not have allowed him back in the locker room after, after a couple of, uh, it, it's not even fair, Gary, to say, to use the word feeble. It wasn't even a feeble tackle attempt. It, 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 it wasn't an attempt, right? I mean, on, on either of those, the 91 yarder by Cole and, and then the 73 yarder by Rager, it just, just abysmal. Um, it, it, it does it, what Scott did that day. He doesn't belong. He doesn't belong in, the, in an NFL locker room. The only way I would say he would Gary is if he was a top three or top five or top eight punter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas where his gross and his net were, were blowing the competition out of the water, but, but that's not the case. I mean, here's a guy who's, you know, the last, this is his third year in green Bay. I mean, he, he's been in the mid twenties in those categories, most of those years. And, and when, and when the weather gets lousy, so does he, um, let's watch here now the ne- the next three games, right? Carolina outside in green Bay, Tennessee outside in green Bay at Chicago, Gary, I'd be surprised if his gross was more than 40 here the next three weeks and his net might be 30 or worse. Um, on, on a, it, I, I appreciate the question. It's a great question. I know it was probably somewhat tongue in cheek, yes. you know, but, but, but just, to, you know, to stay on the special teams theme, Gary, for a second, I'm going to tell you right now. I, and I asked, um, Lafleur this uh, after the game and on Monday during his press conference, just just about you know where, where they're headed with special teams. I mean, Gary, you, we've talked about this again on on the podcast the, the last six or eight weeks, really since since the Houston game on October twenty fifth when when they had a punt block. Um, it, it's almost a weekly occurrence. And and Matt Lafleur, all he did yesterday or on Monday during his during his press conference was go on and on about well we did. We did nine good things and one bad thing on special teams and stuff like that. Gary, you know this as well as anybody. One bad thing there is going to get you killed. Just ask Brandon Bostic, right? Yeah, um, exactly. you know, the, the Packers could never get it figured out in 2014 on special teams. Mike McCarthy, I think, just thought, well, that's fine. We're really good on offense. We've gotten really good on defense that particular year. We'll find a way to beat anybody. That was the mindset, I think, of Mike McCarthy. And, and guess what? Eventually, you've got to play all three phases. And, and we're talking about a team right now that week in and week out gives up a one big, terrible play, at least on special teams. And Gary, again, by, by week 14, this will be actually week 15 coming up. You kind of are who you are. And it, it's really easy to say, well, they'll, they'll get it fixed, you know, and for Lafleur to stand there and say, we'll get this thing fixed by, you know, by the next game. It, it usually doesn't happen, Gary. I'll tell you what, the, we, we could be looking at a season where, right? The Packers and Saints are tied in the, in the fourth quarter and, and Tavon Austin puts the ball on the ground, right? Or, um, you know, they give up a, they give up a 98 yard kick return or a punt return to somebody like that. Or Scott has a field goal. I mean, a, a punt block, something like that, because every area Gary of those special teams has been at fault. Even Mason Crosby, who I think is a terrific kicker. He's one of the eight or 10 best in the league has missed three extra points here in the, in, you know, in the last six or eight weeks. It, he hasn't been flawless himself. So it's, it's a group effort, Gary. And right now that group is, you know, unbelievably disappointing. You'd give them an F right now as a grade. Yeah. I think uh, this off season, we're going to see uh, a few changes pertaining to special teams. 
I, I think the only guy that's safe is, is Mason Crosby. But uh, after that, man, I, I think I think the X could fall on a lot of guys. Totally agree, Gary. And it's probably, you know, and again, I think Sean Menenga is a really nice guy. Um, we've said this before, um, but he, he's probably overmatched right now with this group. Um, Green Bay's injuries haven't been any worse than anybody else's. You can go through and through and say, well, they've had X amount of gunners and they've, they've had this many people in this spot and things like that. Their turnover isn't worse than anybody else's. They've, they've had enough continuity in that group to be playing a lot better than this in the middle of December. All right. I, I lied uh, by saying that was your favorite segment uh, where listeners ask questions. This is your favorite segment where you can deliver your parting shot and uh, you usually have one that's uh, did uh, did we just have one huh? did we just did we just have one listener question today, Gary? No, we had a couple, but uh, I, oh. I I chose Let's... that one because it was so dang good. <laughs> I, you know, be, being the cynic that I am, I, I truly appreciated that. And you being the uh, football, I'm not going to say geek, but uh, you probably <laughs> appreciated that as well. You know? Oh, I love I love the term geek. <laughs> no, I, I have no issues with that, Gary, because it's it's very apropos here between those two topics, uh, numbers and football. Yes. There you go. So uh, are, are you going to uh, impart some wisdom with your parting shot for us? Well, I'll let you start if you want, Gary. Okay, I'll start. Um, you know, Jason Myers and Mason Crosby, your favorite Packer, I think, <laughs> <laughs> have been perfect this season. Both Myers and Crosby haven't missed a field goal. Yet, when you talk about the MVP, which we did earlier in this podcast, nobody will mention their names, right? I mean, nobody ever mentions a kicker for MVP. Oh, wait a minute. Actually, there was one time. Rob, do you remember this? Yeah, wasn't it Mosley that year? <laughs> exactly. Back in 1982, <laughs> a kicker named Mark Mosley was not only mentioned, but he was chosen the MVP. It was the first time. And undoubtedly, the last time a kicker will ever be bestowed with that coveted award. Um, that season, if you recall, they, the players went on strike. Do you remember that? And they only played nine games. And uh, Mosley went 20 of 21, Rob, which uh, was, was pretty darn good back in the day. Uh, the Redskins went on and won the Super Bowl. And it was one of those years, you know, like this year, Rob, we, we, we were saying like there's four or five guys that are worthy candidates for MVP. I mean, that year was a case where probably nobody was, right? My, my point is this, uh, mostly winning the MVP tells us just how far the kicking game has come in the NFL. Mosley's accuracy for uh, kicks that year was 95%, right? This season, there are four kickers who have a better percentage than Mosley did. What, what's more, there, have, there are, I should say, 14 kickers who have converted on 90% of their field goal attempts. And none of them will be mentioned in the MVP conversation. No, that's crazy, Gary. If, uh, if you're not a 90% guy, this, you know, these days you're, uh, you're probably on a fine line in, in your respective city. Take it back to 2012, even Gary, for a second with, with Crosby. He was 21 of 33 that year. Remember that? Yes. Mm -hmm. And they were almost ready to run him out of town. He was, 
He was a seventh round pick in 07. So that was year six for him. First five were pretty good. And then he fell off the cliff in, in 2012. Think about how things would be different, Gary, if, 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 you know, Ted Thompson gets banged around a lot for, you know, probably having had too much patience with certain guys. It really paid off in, in the respect to Crosby. Right. Cause I, I think Gary, honestly, that year, 90% of general managers would have moved on from Mason Crosby. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and aside to that uh, party chat of mine, we were talking about Myers and Crosby, you know, having been perfect with their field goal attempts. You, you, you mentioned this Crosby's missed three extra points, right? Guess what? Miters has missed three extra points. <laughs> the guys are absolutely automatic on a field goal, but they each miss three extra points. Crazy. All right, Gary, I'll take my parting shot. All right. Fire away, big guy. All right. A lot has been made and said nationally and locally about the Jordan Love pick, right? Green Bay was 13 and three a year ago, went to the NFC championship game, really needed some help um, to get over the hump. People thought to pass San Francisco, uh, to stay ahead of new Orleans, to stay ahead of the Rams, to, 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 to stay ahead of Seattle, people like that. Obviously Brian Gutekunst rolled the dice and he took what he thought is going to be his quarterback of tomorrow with Jordan Love and the 26th pick back in the uh, April draft here of, of, of 2020. This topic, Gary, has gotten a lot more attention and play, too, over the last month or so. To stay number three on the depth chart, and you look around the league at some, what some of these other rookies are doing, Gary, taking between, you know, the Packers took Love at 26. They came back and took Dylan again at 62, mm-hmm. A.J. Dillon, that is. And, yep. and if you look at all the, the number of people drafted between 26 and 62, there's a lot of guys in there that could be helping Green Bay a, a lot right now. The Patrick Queen, the linebacker in Baltimore, T. Higgins, wide receiver in, in Cincinnati is off to a, a terrific start. Michael Pittman, who everyone in, in, in this state watched, uh, you know, tear the Packers apart in that Colts loss three or four weeks ago. Uh, Pittman's an emerging young star. Seattle took a linebacker named Jordan Brooks immediately after the Packers took love and Brooks is on the Brooks is on the come right now, Gary. He's a player with a lot of upside. My, you know, my point is there's a lot of guys that could be helping this 2020 Packer team maybe be that final piece, right. To get over the hump and you eventually win a Super Bowl. I tell you, Gary, though, that still was the right pick Jordan love. Um, Wow. (laughs) Yep. If it, 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 it and hey, I, I think all these points are really valid about X, this rookie and that rookie helping the 2020 Packers find a way to get through the NFC, maybe find a way to beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, whatever it turns out to be. I'll just tell you this, Gary. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. Ron Wolf was the guy who said that when he came to Green Bay, found Brett Favre, right? Uh, Ted Thompson found his guy in Aaron Rodgers. Every general manager wants to find their guy. Uh, Gute Kunst is, is clearly going to be Jordan Love. At some point in time here, I think in the next two seasons, you will see Jordan Love as the quarterback. Gute Kunst has to cross his fingers and, and grab every, every rabbit's foot he can find, right, and four-leaf clover and, and pray that this, this is the right guy to, to lead his franchise. The thing is, Gary, if he's right, we've seen it for the last 30 years, and we'll see it for more than 40 years, that the Packers will stay in the top five to ten teams in the league every single year if he hit it here on the quarterback and there are some people that think Jordan Love's going to be a poor man's 
Patrick Mahomes, which is a pretty darn good thing to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Brian Gutekunst is obviously one of them, or he wouldn't have traded up and used that pick um, in the first round on Jordan Love. So my point here, Gary, to everybody is, you know, I'm stressing patience. You're getting the best right now that you've ever seen probably out of Aaron Rodgers and a chance to win a Super Bowl. And when it's all said and done and they change, you know, there's a changing of the guard here, probably in 2022, they may not miss a beat if Jordan Love turns out to be what they thought. And you could have another decade plus of outstanding football teams in Green Bay. Very nice. You, you know what? You, you again, might have persuaded me to like that pick. <laughs> there aren't many that do, Gary. I'm certainly in the minority. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're Brian Udekunst, I think that's a job saver if he pans out, a, a job loser if, if he doesn't. But, but you're absolutely right. You know, and as you were talking, I was thinking around the NFC North. Stafford's going to be done basically in a couple of years, right? Correct. You look at Chicago, their quarterback situation is a mess. A couple of years from now, Cousins, uh, I would be surprised if he's still in Minnesota. So, I mean, if this clicks, uh, <laughs> Love could easily be the best quarterback in the NFC North. And, and like you said, the Packers would, you know, remain, you know, as a NFC North power. So, um, yeah, good, good, good topic. I liked it. So, Rob, it's been a pleasure as usual. Uh, and I appreciate your Packers acumen. And uh, I also want to thank our listeners. All the best. Take care. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Whoople and Whoople's Press Box.com. <laughs>